Welcome to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing the message today found in the book of Revelation as we're continuing our verse-by-verse study of this wonderful book. Today I'm in chapter 11, continuing in chapter 11, and I'm in verses 14 through uh, 19. I'm not going to cover all that today. I'm only going to cover uh, verses 15 and 16 and I want to give you the uh, the text so that you can uh, have something before you. And it kind of gives a little context to what we'll be talking about so that you can understand this. Uh, the Word of God reads, and I want to read this to you, uh, reads in, in Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 15. The Word of God reads, And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who art and who was, because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. Now that... uh, that may be uh, understood by you by first reading, but he's talking about the kingdom. And whenever we talk about the kingdom, I have found through the years so many people get confused. Uh, they say that they've never really understood the kingdom. There's, they don't understand much of what's going to happen in the kingdom or when the kingdom is. And so I want to uh, kind of go slow with this because this... This section is, as I mentioned last time, it's not in chronological order. In other words, from here on, uh, all the way through the end of the book, it becomes a little sketchy to understand. And that's important because when we watch TV or when we read a book, uh, we kind of expect that it's moving in an orderly fashion, kind of straight through or chronologically as the events happen, one to the next to the next. And if you're not careful sometimes watching TV, if you don't see the little phrase written up on the screen that says perhaps a year earlier or three years earlier, uh, then you might get confused. I know that's important. And so this, I think it's important here to understand as well. In fact, when you look at this, look at chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven. Immediately we see... Something happens in heaven when the seventh angel sounds his trumpet. But what you don't see is what happens on the earth. And that has been so characteristic of these trumpets as they have blown, we've seen. When you look at the first trumpet in chapter 8, you see I mean, you see exactly what's happening to the earth as a, uh, a, a hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown to the earth. You see... You begin to see things happening on the earth. Same way with the second trumpet. Something like a great mountain burning from fire was thrown into the sea, and it destroyed a third of the sea, and it became blood, a third of the creatures. Uh, And then the the third third angel uh, blew his trumpet, uh, and the waters became uh, uh, poisonous and killed many people. And the fourth angel poured out his trumpet, and uh, you can see it affects the, the stars and the moon and the heavens uh, we're smitten where a third of them become uh, darkened and a day doesn't shine for a third of it. And so, you, and then the fifth angel, uh, it, it just goes all the way through through the sixth angel. But it, when you get to the seventh angel, you don't see that. And what begins to happen is you begin to realize 
that chapter 12, for example, following verse or chapter 11, is not in order anymore. Suddenly you're going back and you're looking at something that's, that's not moving forward. It, it actually takes you back. It's a bit of a digression. And so chapter 13, you think, well, this is not in order either, and neither is chapter 14. It takes you all the way into chapter 15 before you begin to see uh, and then even in 16, when you begin to see what happens with that seventh, seventh trumpet begins to, to blow, there is something that begins to happen. And so it's a very important thing that when the seventh trumpet is blown, uh, it takes you through the rest of the book of Revelation. In other words, chapter uh, 20 all the way through, even to the establishment of the kingdom, the seventh trumpet, in other words, has a long tenure, I guess you could say. It covers a lot. It covers the rest of the entire book of Revelation. In fact, incorporated into the seventh trumpet, among other things, are the seven bold judgments, which we haven't even gotten to yet, which will come in just uh, a, a, a little while. So we come to a very important section, and this section is the point of the book of Revelation. It embraces everything involved in the final completion of this uh, for the present Universe, including the final harvest, it includes the final fury of the day of the Lord, it, it, it includes the battle of Armageddon, it, return, it includes the return of Jesus Christ in glory, it includes his fierce judgment on the ungodly during that time, it involves the establishment of the uh, millennial kingdom, and all that's going to flow out of this blowing of the seventh trumpet is, is all of that included. So we move into the final phase of judgment. Right on through chapter 20 and even into 21 and 22 with the new heavens and the new earth. And so we look at chapter 15. We see another uh, uh, chapter 15. It, it carries on with this. Look how it reads. I saw another uh, sign in the heavens. Great and marvelous seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. And so uh, that is uh, actually a continuation from where verse 15. 15 is in chapter 11 and I, I hate to even mention all this because if you're not if you're just kind of listening to this you, you, it could sound very confusing you get to chapter 16 and uh, you you see this actually continues the same thing so the seven bowls which are the final wrath are included in the seven trumpets uh, that may not mean much to you but it uh, it's it just kind of uh, given to kind of help you understand where this is going in each, each one of these uh, chapters. So, when you get into chapter uh, uh, 11, looking at verse 14, uh, I wanted to kind of cover just a few things here. I wish I could cover all of this, but I, I just cannot. Uh, we get into this, the text opens, and this would be a, a recognition of God's sovereignty in fact, that's why I'm calling this absolutely sovereign because this is what it says in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So it opens with this uh, exuberant uh, joy in heaven, uh, a praise for the sovereignty of God. And this is, would be something that, you know, to take note of as the trumpet is 
about to be blown. We are in heaven's perspective. We're looking at it from what is happening in heaven. Loud voices and they, they speak and we hear what they say. And then in sixteen in verses 16 and 17, we have further indication from the 24 elders of what is about to happen. So verse 15 then is the seventh angel sounds. Uh, it is basically defined for us in verse 18 uh, as far as uh, the wrath that came, and, and you will begin to explain that next time. But the seventh trumpet is a trumpet of destruction and judgment. It will be more explicitly, I guess you could say it like that, described clearer in chapter 16. Uh, and when it says, like, the great city was split in three parts. The city of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of his fierce wrath. Uh, and then in chapter 17, it will be described more, chapter 18 and 19. So the seventh trumpet that we see in chapter 11, verse 15, sweeps through the remaining events of the history in, the, in this tribulation period, this seven years. As I have said earlier, it encompasses the judgments known as the bold judgments. And I want you to stay with me because the next three chapters... 12, 13, and 14 are very important chapters. Very important chapters. And uh, it is that they are each given, they're a bit of a digression. Uh, and, and what they do in these chapters is they take us back into the earlier part of the tribulation period. And if you don't know that, then you could get confused with this. We've already come through in chapter 11 through the tribulation period in chronology of the book of Revelation to this point. We've been through the seven seals to sweep us through. We've passed the midpoint. We've gone through the abomination of desolation as far as timeline goes. Now, we haven't studied each of those, but we've gone through there. And then in chapter 12, 13, and 14, we're going to go back and look at them. And in a few minutes, I'll give you the reason why. So we're, we're going through, and we're going back through the, chrono, the chronology of this. When we get to 12, for example, let me give it to you. Uh, we're going to go back to the tribulation period around the beginning of the tribulation period when we get through this one section of chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. It, go, it takes us into heaven, shows us what's there, and then it's going to take us back to the beginning of the tribulation period. And so here's the reason why. We're going to be following the career of the Antichrist. In fact, when I get there, I'm going to take you into Daniel and some other places so that you can begin to understand. That's what's going to happen in chapter 12, 13, and 14. We've been seeing everything so far from God's perspective. And I guess we could say it's a chronology of what's happening from God's vantage point or heaven's vantage point. And now we're going to go back in chapters 12, 13, and 14 to look at the tribulation from what happens to Satan as he and the Antichrist and the false prophet get their beginning, and we're going to take a look at that. So it becomes a very important section. So in order to begin this, I want to give you something because I don't want to miss this. And that is, notice what it says when it says in chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounded, and these loud voices in heaven say this, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and forever. Now, uh, notice, this is by uh, design, this is a, the split, uh, explicit uh, detail of the Holy Spirit given to us. It is saying here, the kingdom, singular, 
of the world has become the kingdom singular of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and forever. And so it becomes important to understand that this is given to us in the singular. And why is that important? Well, because we tend to think of the earth as kingdoms. Uh, When it says here, uh, the seventh trumpet sounds, what it's telling us is that the power of Satan is broken forever, and the issue of sovereignty is revealed and forever sealed, the usurper, Satan himself, uh, is, is devastated. Christ is supreme. And as I, I, I have said several times, what Christians have prayed for all these years and what has goes back through the Old Testament and the New Testament is our prayer has been, Thy kingdom come. And what this is saying is the reality of that is now here with us. In fact, when chapter uh, uh, 4 in the book of Luke, Satan took... Uh, Jesus into the high mountain. You remember during this point of, of temptation, and showed him all the kingdoms, plural, of the world, and said to him, then, uh, you, you can have those, he'll give them to Jesus, and Jesus turned them down. He did not want them that way. He wanted the, kingdom of the kingdoms of the world in his own terms, in his timing. Now, I want you to notice something that's, that's, that's interesting, and it's, it, it's the fact that it is singular, and it's important to note that, that the one that is giving us with great precision is the Holy Spirit, and this is not a mistake. The world, though it is divided into many different nations and peoples and languages, is really one kingdom. Uh, we don't generally talk about this much, but there's really just one kingdom under one king. The God of this world, or the king of this, or the God of this present age, or the prince of the power of the air, or the ruler of darkness, we know from Ephesians, is Satan himself. Now, God hacked up or took apart the kingdom of the world at the Tower of Babel to make it more difficult for Satan to accomplish his purposes. But Satan is still king of, uh, he is uh, still God of this world, uh, prince of the power of the air, the ruler of darkness. He's still over this and has been. Now, the world is really just one kingdom with one monarch, namely Satan himself, at this present hour. Now, Jesus said, for example, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 26, they accused him of casting out demons by Satan. And he said, now listen to this, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? The point is, his kingdom stands because it is an undivided kingdom. We look at the world and we see it divided into all kinds of nations, politically, socially, uh, language or linguistically. It is in terms of traditions and customs. But it is one kingdom under one king being ruled by Satan and his demonic host. Now in John's Gospel, and I want you to follow this, John's Gospel reminds you of a scripture, John 12, 31. Uh, Jesus said, now the judgment, judgment is upon the, the world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. And he's talking about Satan. He recognizes that the world has one ruler. It is one kingdom with one ruler and the ruler being Satan. In fact, John fourteen thirty, he is called the ruler of the world. Again, in John sixteen eleven, he is called the ruler of the world for the third time. So heaven rejoices at the blowing of this trumpet in chapter 11 of Revelation because the kingdom, singular kingdom of the world that was under the power of Satan has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. That is important. Very important. 
Uh, governments, through uh, though designed by God, all governments are designed by God. We read this, and we've even talked about this in Romans chapter 13. Uh, for the well-being of man, and uh, but these governments are not submissive to God. God has ordained government and put them in place, but people within the governments, even the leaders, are not submissive to God. You say, well, I don't have a hard time understanding that. No, but a lot of people do. His sovereignty, in other words, is not recognized. Like our government does not recognize the sovereignty of God and being submissive to him. His sovereignty is not recognized at all. Uh, Mark it. There are no, and I need, I need to point this out because I hear this all the time. There are, people say there are Christian nations, or we are a Christian nation. I've heard that lately. Well, we're not. Uh, there are no Christian nations. There has never been a Christian nations. The rulers and the kings, uh, we, we see it in Acts chapter 4, verse 26. Take their stand against Christ. They have always, they always have, they always will. A long rebellion of world kingdoms against God and against Christ will end at this moment in heaven in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And that's really what this is talking about. Uh, in fact, now at this point, uh, Genesis 6 will, will come to pass again where God says, My spirit will not always strive with man. In reality then, dominion over the world does not become Christ and God's after till after the judgments. The blowing of this trumpet, the pouring out of the bowl judgments. Uh, behind the diverse, I guess, all of these kingdoms that have existed in history is this singular power of Satan pulling it all together. Scary, isn't it? We never really think about that. And believe me, he's not going to turn this over to Christ just easy like that. This, there's going to be a struggle. I mean, just looking what's happening at the end here. You look at chapter 9 of Revelation and you see the pouring out of all these demons that are to, to taunt the souls of man. And then all of these 200 million that are poured out to kill one-third of the people. Well, they're still around they don't disappear. You've got all of these, and they're moving across the earth, uh, helping in the benefits or in benefiting Satan and his rule through the Antichrist. What an unbelievable time this earth is going to be facing with. You've got people who are following the Antichrist, a whole world of them, and they're all combining to assist Satan in keeping his world. But he's going to lose it. Only Christ then, obviously, with his great sovereign power, could possibly conquer this kind of formidable foe. Uh, it is unbelievable to see this written like this. Now, I want you to understand something as we go through this because it's important. Uh, this, there's a Greek tense that talks that I, I want to just mention here. You don't need to know all of the names of, of this, but uh, the Greek tense... Uh, says here, the kingdom of this world has become uh, the kingdom of our Lord. Now, this is a very important way to express something that is, 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 is a certain type of aorist tense verb. And it's, it's a very technical term, but it means something in the future is so sure that it can be spoken of as though it has already happened. And that's exactly what we find here. In other words, the kingdom of the world is not yet, as in, Christ, as in chapter 11, in the earth. 
John doesn't see it as of yet. John sees it from a heaven perspective, but it has not happened as of yet, even in heaven at this point. But it is spoken of as though it has happened, and it is as certain as though it is at the present moment. In other words, it's not going to really happen until chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, verse 5. And then the trumpet blows, and even though there is still some time, perhaps a few weeks or months, we don't know the time frame here, it is spoken of as though it is uh, uh, actually happening and is currently present at the very moment. So when the trumpet blows, immediately heaven rejoices if all this is going to come out, the trumpet has already been completed, we can say it, it's, it's as though they're exuberant because it is now sealed, it's happening. And that's what is particular about this form in the Greek. Now you go back to Luke chapter 1 for a moment, and this, uh, you, you see the, the birth of, of Christ being announced in Mary chapter, uh, in Luke chapter 1 verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. From the very outset, this prophet prophecy has been uh, in anticipation given. It was given to Mary. Uh, that ultimately this baby would be a great king and this great king would be over this kingdom. So there's been an anticipated moment of the birth of Christ anticipated through many prophecies of which I can't even begin to give you all of these prophecies. But yet it is spoken of here in Revelation chapter 11 as though it is starting to happen now in heaven at this point. And that's what makes this so exciting to me, is to look at this because the, the, it is saying to us that the kingdom is here and it is being taken away from Lucifer or Satan himself and given over to Christ. In fact, look how it says it. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. It's never going back. It's going to always be right here. So, very important information that is given to us here. Uh, but it is spoken of all the way through here. In fact, you can begin to see it as though it is happening. In fact, let me give you in, in chapter uh, 15 of Revelation. It talks about the, and they sang a new song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And it takes you all the way back to Exodus. They're singing a song that Moses had. Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty, the righteous, the true are thy ways, the King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name. And the very song of Moses in Exodus 15 is where you find it anticipated the moment when the Lord Jesus Christ would become king of the world. Folks, this is, this is an important truth. Because so many people today try to avoid teaching on the kingdom. I've done uh, several times on the kingdom, teaching the kingdom and all that's going to be happening in the kingdom. And I spoke at one church uh, several years ago, several years ago, uh, over 15 years ago. Spoke on a Sunday night about the kingdom and just revealed all that the scripture was saying in general forms about the government, the people, uh, the, the land, uh, everything. And I said, if you have questions at the end of the service, just come up here and I'll help you understand some more. And it looked like literally the whole church 
came forward and lined up. They were going all the way down the aisle, all the way outside, people wanting to ask questions because they said this. They have never heard anyone teach on the kingdom. Well, I can't believe that. I said, well, you know, I, I got the same Bible that they've all your preachers in the past have ever had. I'm not giving you a new Bible. This is not some new revelation uh, that's been printed somewhere. This is all in the Word of God. And it all begins in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. So it becomes a very important thing to understand. We can see even Isaiah talked about this. Uh, it will come about in the last days. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. Well, boy, if I had time, I could explain just that one phrase. will be raised above all the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. What? There's going to be a mountain of the Lord? Yes, that's during the kingdom. And this in Revelation chapter 11 is telling us that it is beginning right there in that verse. That's why these voices are rejoicing. Because this has been prophesied, predicted, and anticipated from the very beginning of the Bible all the way through. It has always been. And so what this is saying is it's being fulfilled. That is why there is great jubilance in heaven. And uh, we're going to see even more of that. Uh, as we get into this and, and to, uh, try to understand some of this. But Daniel chapter 2 talks about it, it, it extensively. The great image showing the kingdoms of the world. When Daniel was and Nebuchadnezzar were there, you continued looking and describing his vision, uh, his dream, until a stone was cut out with his, with, without hands. That's reference to the Messiah, the Lord. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. The final form of human world power represented by the image, its legs and its feet, will be crushed. And it was smashed by the stone cut out without hands, the virgin-born Messiah, and it will be crushed. The iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all the components of human power, all of the same time, come crashing down and they become like chaff. So all the great empires of history of the world are shattered and turned to dust and blown away. And the stone that struck the statue becomes a great mountain and fills the whole world. This is to say that the Messiah establishes his universal kingdom. It's, it's a, just a, a, an amazing thing to see that this is talked about like this in such a way. And yet it is pretty much a neglected subject in the, in the, in, in the Bible. Uh, I mean, in the, in, in the teachings in our churches. But that's why heaven is rejoicing. I want to read it again. Uh, the seventh angel blows, and there arose loud voices in heaven, saying, this is what the voices are saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever. You could say it like this. The kingdom of Satan has become the kingdom of Christ. He, he will reign now forever and ever. Well, what happened to Christ? I mean, what happened to Satan? Well, he is no longer in the picture. And uh, that will be explained in, in these other chapters. But Which is interesting that chapter 12, 13, and 14 takes a look at Satan and follows his progression through the, the time of the tribulation period and shows how he is kicked out of power. 
oh, it's just an, an amazing thing to see this. And so we, we look at this. In fact, look at uh, verse 16 of uh, Revelation chapter 11. And, of course, I, I, I hope you realize by now there's not going to be too much more given out of this passage. And I'm going to have to follow it up next time. But I want to give you this because uh, this final kingdom is, uh, is going to come about. Uh, is, is so important for us to understand. But I want you to see this. Real quick, the 24 elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who art, who was, because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. Who are these 24 elders? Well, we've given you that in the past. These are best understood as representatives of the glorified church. We saw that in chapter 4. You know, we gave you a number of reasons. The 24 elders representing the glorified church, already raptured, glorified in heaven, sitting on their throne. And I remind you again that never in any of Scripture did we find angels on thrones seated. We know, uh, I feel pretty confident that this is, this is the 24 elders is, uh, we find, of the glorified church. Uh, they fall on their faces and worship God, something they did a lot. Uh, in fact, back in chapter 5, verse 14, we see them falling on their faces, faces as well. But here they fall on their faces. They worship God. This is the moment they have waited for. We'll see them again do this in chapter 19, verse 4, falling down again, worshiping God, saying, Amen, hallelujah. But the reason they're so excited about this and so open in their praise is, as I said, because this is their moment for the fulfillment of the prayers, thy kingdom come, is fulfilled. And, and they're giving praise and thanks to God. Verse 17, we give thee thanks, O Lord, the Almighty, who are, who is, or who was, because thou hast taken thy great power and begun to reign. Now, next time I'm even going to give you a little bit of that word, the Almighty, and tell you how important that word is, because uh, it is talking about the absolute sovereign one. Uh, so this is a, a very important text uh, to understand. Uh, it, it's just the beginning. It's just wetting our appetite for uh, the reality. Because see, in the teaching of the Scriptures, all through the Scriptures, there is a centrality of thought concerning the kingdom. It goes all the way back from Genesis 1, uh, all the way through to Revelation 22. Uh, that We've always been heading in that direction. So much of the Bible is actually uh, a picture of the kingdom, of the coming kingdom, or is uh, implemented, e even the, the, the tabernacle, or the layout of the, the land. and uh, we, we see so much uh, of the, uh, the kingdom being uh, anticipated and predicted. Uh, yet it is something, again, that is uh, ignored, not really taught. And so with such a centrality of thought of all of the Scripture for all time being focused on the kingdom, why is there not more teaching? So I can't wait to jump into this. I may wait to chapter 20, but I'll be giving you bits and pieces on this. So uh, for now, this is William Rogers. I hate to have to close this. Uh, I don't feel like I got very much of this, but I'll be continuing this. Uh, don't give up on me. I want you to watch and, or to be listening to this. 
and, and follow along if you can. And if, again, if you have any questions, send them to me. Uh, you can check the, the site, and there's always a way. There are several different ways you can contact me and let me know with questions. I will answer the questions. I promise you that. Uh, again, this is William Rogers speaking from the, the, the bringing the message out of the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verses 15 and 16 and 17. And next week we will continue this same thought. Thank you again for joining. Have a great day.